With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the NLP View with your host, Donna Blunston. Each week, Donna will explore how the techniques of NLP can help improve your personal and professional life. And now, here's your host, Donna Blunston. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the NLP View radio show. My name is Donna Blunston. I'm a certified trainer and master practitioner of NLP, health coach and learned disabilities coach. As a registered nurse, I work as a nurse specialist in bloodborne viruses, supporting individuals through the assessment, management and treatment of their viruses. On today's show, I am joined by co-host June Stoyer, the executive producer of the Organic View radio show. You can catch her shows live weekdays on the Organic View radio show. Today, we're going to discuss how NLP can be used to enhance your personal relationships with your father, reviewing the role of the father in a child's life and the impact a father has on the child, regardless of the child's age. Neuro-linguistic programming, NLP, is an approach to communication, personal development and psychotherapy. The title refers to the stated connection between the neurological processes, neuro, the language we use, linguistics, and the behavioural patterns that have been learned through the individual's experiences. Programming. NLP is an applied psychology which focuses on how we interpret information through our five senses in order to create the reality which we use to navigate our way through our lives. Through understanding how we perceive what has happened in our relationship and how the other person has perceived what has happened, we can start moving forwards towards a resolution that will benefit both parties. So I'd like to welcome to the show, June Stoyer. Hello, June. Hi, Donna. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure to have you with me today on the show. And I know just how important it is for you to have that relationship between the child and the father and the impact that it has. I know it's something that you're quite passionate about, so I really appreciate you coming onto the show to discuss that area so we can provide our audience with tools and techniques that will enable them to improve their relationship. Well, thank you, Donna. I often have many fans of the show as well as very well-known authors who have talked about this subject, and I think that, unfortunately, society does not give enough emphasis on the importance of the father in the child's life. There's always the emphasis that the child should not be separated from the mother, but the child really should not be separated from the father, because we've seen time and time again just how many problems arise because of the absence of the father in that child's life. Yes, it's very true, very true, and it's all it's all part of that child's development as they're growing up. It's uh, that that family unit is very very important, and I know there'll be many of our listeners who also experience the other side of it when 
actually the father it isn't appropriate for the father to be there or the dynamics of the relationship between the mother and the father does cause as many problems him being there or her being there depending on what's happening within the family so there is always the two sides to the story but yes i do totally agree the ideal is always for um you know the father to play that role in the child's life because it is it's fundamentally important as that child is growing and developing and forming its own beliefs and values and sense of self it'll model its parents and almost organize and find its own place in the world dependent upon that relationship that it has with the father in the same way as it does with the mother. Well, I think especially with children, in some cases you have basically what they refer to commonly here in the States as the deadbeat dad. And while it's understandable that the father in that type of situation is not making the proper contributions to that child's life, whether it be financially, love, attention, affection, what have you, the point being is is that it really is up to the child to make that decision as far as whether he or she wishes to continue a relationship with the father. And unfortunately, many, many mothers will take out their own frustrations and say, you know, I want this person away from my child and no rights should be granted, blah, blah, blah. And what happens is is that the child so many, in so many situations grows up longing for that other parent that was basically absent throughout the entire childhood. And it's, it's something that people really need to reconsider. Mm. A child needs both a mother and a father. Could you explain to the audience exactly the importance of the father in the development of the child and subconsciously what the child may be experiencing when these derogatory names are being used to describe someone that that child really loves? Uh, Yes, I can. Um, It's... It's quite a, um, a big question. If I, if I look at it from a values perspective, um, for instance, then we say from 0 to 7 are classed as the imprint years in a child's life. And during those years, the child literally is like a sponge. It learns the capabilities, the skills, the behaviors, the beliefs, the values, and values are what are important to us off their parents so they're very much a copying and um, doing exactly what is said which I guess is where the the saying of um, show me the child at seven and I'll show you the adult that's where that comes from because a child very much at seven is literally absorbing everything and uh, copying the parents so with regards to the role of the um, of the father in that in that those circumstances the lessons and um, things that the father is teaching the child through those years are going to be fundamental in that child's development and it's yes the mother can will always do her best job that she possibly can with the resources that she's got available to her and there's always that um you learn different things from different people in different ways and depending upon the child and how the child prefers to learn 
can change what it learns off the mum in comparison to what it would learn off its father. From 7 to 14 then are our modelling years and this is more when the child chooses who they want to model, what behaviours they want to copy, what values are important to them and they're starting to get their own personality, a bit more of a sense of self, they're starting to find their own feet and make their mark on the world testing, pushing boundaries, <laughs> looking for those lines and whether they can or they can't cross them. So those are the modelling years. And again, it's where all the belief system is developed, the values, again, what's important to the child. So it's not the in these years, it's as well as the mum and the father, it's other caregivers, schools, the media, all play a big part on that child's life. From 14 to 21 then are classed as your socialising years and that's more where you're purposely choosing who you want to model. You've got more of a sense of self, what you want to do, where you want to go, your ambitions are coming out, you've got an idea of what career you want to go down or where you want to work. You'll choose your friends, yourself, your university, where you're going to live, business or whatever it is you want to do in your life. So again, your belief structure starts to change. What's important to you starts to change. And life events come along all the way through a child's life, but potentially more so from 14 to 21 with regards to the loss of elderly family members in comparison to younger years. So that also gives the child chance to reevaluate what's important to them and to look at things differently. Well, I think one of the problems that many people who are grown up and have had differences with their father is the fact that the relationship has either gone to the point where they're no longer speaking and then they don't have that opportunity to make peace and the parent dies or the parent dies and then they realize, wow, there's so many different issues that I have that all stem back to my late father. Mm. And the issue that I think arises in most cases is the fact that when a parent is deceased, there are so many things that you wish you could have done and things that you'd like to do, but when they're dead, they're dead. What what can you really do? Are there NLP techniques that you've used with your clients and with your patients, rather, that are effective as far as trying to reconcile issues that are reoccurring that all stem from your relationship with your dad? There's loads, June. Absolutely loads. Um, one, I guess it depends on what they want to actually resolve. If it's um, a traumatic or negative event from the past that they want to gain more understanding from, or they want to remove the negative emotions that are around that event, then we'll use techniques like timeline therapy um, where we go back to that event, back into that person's past and revisit that event with the knowledge and the wiser eyes that the, the now adult has got. Because when you're a child, uh, or just when you're younger, you view things differently. 
and it's not so much that you viewed them wrongly back then because you viewed them as you viewed them with that knowledge set that you had at that time. So it's going back, as I say, with wiser eyes, re-looking at the event, looking at your role, what it is that you needed to learn from that event, how else you could have behaved, what actually was happening. So I think when, when anything negative happens or anything that bothers or upsets us, our emotions cloud our judgment. And often an event is got a, a red mist, if you like, over it. And whenever you think of it, you automatically hook into the emotions that are being left up there with you from that event rather than the actual event itself. So one thing with NLP is we try and remove those emotions so the person can relook at that event without the emotions there and start taking responsibility for their own actions. I think that is that is something that many people fail to do. They want to do the blame game, and the bottom line is, is that they need to accept responsibility for the fact that when you're an adult, the decisions that you make are your own. You have to stop blaming everything on your childhood, on what your mother and father did or did not do, so on and so forth. And that is when you truly own up to your feelings and your responsibilities. By shifting the blame on someone else, it doesn't help you to heal. No. It doesn't help you to get anywhere. And I think that's a very important point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's, it is going back, going back and revisiting those kind of events. And often events are worse, perceived to be worse than they actually are because the they've hooked into other examples of similar events. So if there's any um, chaining, if you like, of events where the child was particularly upset, maybe the father shouted at them, or the father did such a thing, embarrassed them, or um, undermined them, or anything like that, they will hook into every time they experience that. So the event that they're actually experiencing might be something in reality was quite um, a small scale but because it's been compounded by the other experiences of that same emotion the child can often react um, what we now see as being going over the top and it's just because it is all those emotions have all come at once tied mm -hmm. in with every other emotion on top of it well, one, if I can add something yeah. one of the things that I learned from your book Donna Psychobabble was to really step into the other person's life and understand the different situations that, say, for example, if you're looking at your father, mm -hmm. try to step into his shoes to understand, okay, well, what was his childhood like? What was his mother like? What was his father like? What were the circumstances that he was dealing with throughout his childhood that made him behave the way that he did, whether it was negative, positive, uh, depending upon what type of personality he had. But just to try to step into his shoes to get a better understanding of all the things that he was dealing with so that as an adult, you can remove the emotion from it and instead of making a judgment, you can actually get a better feel for all the different things that were going on so that you could see the impact that his life had on yours. 
Because if you have a father, for example, that grows up with a mother who's callous, who's not very loving, who's abusive, and your father happens to be someone who is kind of the same way, it makes sense that he grew up not being loved, not having affection, not having a lot of things that people really do need. And so when you take it from that perspective, and that's what it's all about, stepping into that person's shoes to understand their feelings, their emotions, that is when you can actually heal yourself and let go of these negative feelings and grow as a person. So that's a section in Psychobabble that, folks, I highly recommend that you read because it really not only helps you to understand your own parents, but other people. So I just wanted to mention that. That, June, is my favorite technique in the world. It's uh, perceptual positions, and it's, uh, I can't, there's, I can't think of an example when you can't use this, use this technique. And you're right, it is stepping into the other person's shoes. And it's based on that premise of you can't, don't judge another person until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. Because we don't know what's happened, as you rightly said, in that person's past. And it can be from different angles. Sometimes a person isn't showing affection or is quite relaxed and doesn't do the discipline because they were over-disciplined when they were a child. Sometimes they weren't disciplined with a child and they felt that they were able to run riot, so they try and discipline more. And it's all that always thing, when you become a parent, you find that you all the things that you felt the child were wrong that your parent did, you try to do differently for your own child. Whether that's right or wrong is a different matter. I think a lot of parents try to do that and then they wind up screwing up the kid because they're trying to avoid the Mississippi the same mistakes that their parents made and lo and behold it happens and I think that with certain people especially young people that are not quite on their own but are old enough to know the difference between right or wrong I know a friend's son is dealing with a situation where his father has basically been the absentee father. He doesn't remember to call him on his birthday, just all sorts of things. He's just not there. And I said to my friend's son, I said, you know, sometimes it's not so much that your dad isn't this and he isn't that. You have to think about the things that he is Mm. because maybe it's a situation where you're actually in his life to teach him how to be responsible, how to be affectionate, how to be able to communicate the way that he ought to. And through your existence in his life, that is what he's learning. And even though we don't like to think of ourselves as part of the learning equation when it comes to our parents, it is a give-and-take relationship Quite often, many parents will learn so much from their children because, to a certain degree, they're reliving their own childhood, and they're also growing and improving. And you're never too old to grow and improve. You know, and I'd like to share a patient that I'm working with at the moment um, who's, you know, is is a lovely man. Um, He's got two young children. And when I see him interact with his children, and because I'm treating him because of a, a virus that he's got at the moment, I'm working with him from that from that side. When I've spoken with the family, one thing that's come out with my conversations with his his children, 
that there's very clearly there's not that um that touchy feely element there's not the um there's no passion and love within the family that is evident to see even though just both children got their manners they're good kids and he's done a fantastic job from that way and i was speaking to him about his feeling particularly ill one day when he came in so i was speaking to him about his feelings and his general family and the support there and one thing that very quickly came to light was that he didn't know how to show affection he had no idea how to hold somebody or how to give a cuddle and give give love and that's because he's not received it himself so in his head that you know he loves his children to bits and it's very clear that he does however you could see there was a separation there was almost like a distance between them and when as i say as i spoke further it was all about he didn't know how to show affection he'd never learnt that skill because when he was a child himself between those important years of naught and seven there was a lot a lot a lot a lot of things going on in his life and he never was held he was the child that was left to sit alone and to play alone so learned very quickly to not to cry to look after himself and entertain himself and because of that he never developed those kind of skills so inevitably, he hasn't got those skills to pass on to his children. And it's not for the, the, the lack of wanting to, it's the sheer unawareness of knowing how to. Donna, with your patients, what, where do you begin with them when they recognize that they have certain unresolved issues with their father and the father is either not in their life whatsoever or maybe deceased, what do you recommend for the listeners that they can do to begin the process so that they can start to heal? Um, there's multiple things. To begin with, it is very much around making that person safe within themselves. Um, and when I mean safe, I mean giving them that security, building up their own confidence, their own sense of self, looking at their values, what's important to them, what they want to achieve and setting goals. And a lot of that is foundation work for them. From a coach's perspective, that's very much around the ecology and protecting that person. Once those kind of things are, the foundations are kind of balanced, will then go on into looking at um, perceptual positions, like um, we beautifully explained before June. Um, if it's a case that the father has died, then it, it depends on what that relationship was. If the child perceived the father as being the hero, then you know he can still get advice from his father because he knows what his father would have said to him, or she knows what the father would have said. So often it is having the asking the father as a virtual space in front of him what he would do and then going and standing in the shoes of his father so that is one thing just in the same way as you explained before of standing in the father's shoes what must have happened for him in order for him to behave in like that just so he can start to understand what's happening we then go down, then go down. the timeline and um, that i explained previously and look at individual events and what lessons need to be learned for that adult, that child or adult as he is now, for him to grow and develop in himself. I think one of the things that most people that are on this road incorporate into their 
process is to make a list of different issues that they've had that they would like to resolve if their dad were alive. Mm-hmm. So um, it's something that is not easy for everyone, and some people it's it's quite a journey just to get to this point to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, you know, something, um, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, so on and so forth. And the thing is is that you have to begin by forgiving yourself for what happened. And people don't quite understand forgiveness. They think it's about forgiving the other person. It's about really letting go of a lot of anger, animosity, and hostility that you're harboring in your own mind that is just not serving you. It's wasted energy, especially something that might have happened 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. You have to come to terms with it and say, okay, this is something that happened in the past. I have no ability to control that situation because it is a past event and I need to let it go. And I need to allow myself to say, okay, you were angry about this. It upset you. And now I'm letting it go, and now I'm choosing to move on because I want to make my life better and happier. I'm so glad you shared that, Jean. That was what, what my next thing that I was going to say it is around forgiveness for yourself and forgiving yourself for holding on to it as well. One thing I do with all my clients, I get them to write their emotions, whether it be on paper whether it be on stones or anything that they want to write it on. Some people are going to write it on the beach in the sand with them and let the waves wash it away. Whatever emotions or whichever way works for the patient, really. But get them to write all those emotions that they've been holding on to and carry them around with them. Because it doesn't hurt the other person. The only person they're hurting is themselves. So often it's a, there's a lot of work that needs to be done around why they're choosing to hold on to it how holding on to that grief and sadness and anger is serving them because there's usually a secondary gain and it's once you've started to understand that then you can start healing the past because usually someone's got a very good reason to hold on to anger and until you understand that and the person accepts that they can't start the process of healing off well sometimes we hold on to anger because it also keeps memories alive Mm -hmm. and that's something that I've learned through my studies of NLP especially with this gal Donna Blinson who's just fantastic (laughs) but um, I have learned a lot it's interesting my father's been gone for many years and there's certain things that I do to keep his memory alive because I sincerely miss him Mm -hmm. and my mother as well but there are certain things that I do and I wasn't even aware of it because it keeps that memory alive. And it's not that they're bad things. It's just they're just things that would kind of irritate my dad. Um, my father was a very proper person and it just would uh, irritate him. But it's interesting. I just want to share this one thing. My father used to, he would get very upset if I would bite my nails. And it's funny, the day that he died, I stopped biting my nails, and actually my nails are always long. Mm. I don't get any acrylics or any of that stuff, and my nails are always long. And that's something that I kind of look at, and I think, wow, you know, 
uh, how spiteful was I that I chose to rebel against him and bite my nails all those years. And now that he's gone, I my nails always look nice and they're always I always look presentable. And it's to a certain degree acknowledging something that he would have liked and would have been proud of. And it's a very small little detail, but it's just one of the things that is part of my current, um, I guess, consciousness where I can recognize the fact that this is something that does honor my father in a very, very small way. Because as I said, it's something small, it's something personal, but you get the point. Do and thank you, Jean, for sharing that. I always think it's wonderful. It's like your unconscious mind is giving you a reminder, and I think that's the wonderful thing about us as human beings. It's those little things that are that are kept in our memories that we do without thinking about. But again, they serve that purpose. And for you, it is that purpose of that reminder of your dad every time you look at your hands, which would be something that you must look at thousand times a day. Especially when you're typing on the keyboard, doesn't matter what you're doing, you know. And it's 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 just interesting, as you said, how the subconscious works. And Donna, I have to say, psychobabble has been very instrumental in my education of NLP. And I really am grateful for the opportunity to be on your show today, as well as to share some of my personal experiences, as well as the things that I've learned about NLP that have benefited me and helped me grow, as well as friends, family, and even some of the listeners. Thank you ever so much for joining me, June. And I'm so glad that um, my book, Psychobabble, has been such a benefit to you. Um, I can tell, as you've read it, um, how it has grown you personally. And for our audience, if any of them would like a free, um, a free copy of the beginning chapters of my book, then please email me or contact me through any of the social media. You can find us on Facebook at forward slash the NLP view or on Twitter at the NLP view. And also come and visit my website, which is www.donnablinston.com, where you'll pick up a copy of my best-selling book, Psychobabble, a straightforward cleanliness guide to the benefits of NLP. And also visit theorganicview.com and sign up for our newsletter. You'll also be able to mention there if you would like a copy of the foundation chapters of the book. The newsletter will keep you updated with the up-and-coming shows, guests and the online workshops. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.